Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And hi to Ryan, uh, Ryan Singer from uh, Basecamp, whose book Shape Up we've been uh, talking about for the last two weeks. And we're, we're going to do one more episode uh, with Ryan and ask him even more questions about uh, Basecamp's very interesting process he's just documented. Hey, guys. Nice to be back. Uh, great to have you back. And I, I have a question I want to ask, and it's, a, it's, um, it's something that, you, that unlike a lot of things, you, you don't talk about much very explicitly in the book. It's kind of there implicitly. Um, and, and, and partially what's happening in my head is I'm, I'm, I'm mapping uh, the, the outcome of your shaping work in the pitch as uh, what I would call a briefing. So uh, Squirrel and I have talked before about this book called The Art of Action, and it describes uh, people um, saying, giving a briefing and then a back briefing from the team about what they're intending to do as, as a way of building alignment. And uh, so one of the things I was curious about is the accountability and the interaction, um, the support, I'm going to say, from uh, people outside the team to the team during the work as you go along. And, I, and so I know that you, you, you have the project and people will, uh, who are doing the work now, this is the team of two or three people, they're gonna begin uh, um, learning what the real tasks are. But there is some amount of uh, um, oversight uh, from people to, to make sure the team isn't stuck and to provide support if needed. Can you, can you talk about how that works and what kind of insights you get and what kind of support are offered from outside? Yeah, and support's a good way to put it. Um, so the, the ideal that we try to, to set out as a, as, a, as a goal and an expectation is that the, the team should be able to make their own decisions and get to a place where something meaningful shifts at the end of the allotted time without any outside help. That's kind of the default stance. And now, of course, things will come up where maybe the intent, there's, there's some place where the intent in, in, the, in the work that was shaped is, is, is just unclear, um, or there could be something that comes up that's very surprising uh, technically, you know, and then, and then there's kind of a hand raised. But, but generally, we want the teams, we want to give the teams as much responsibility as possible and empower them as much as possible to make all these calls. And then mm -hmm. to sort of reinforce the overall structure, right? That so that the incentive is also there to do a better and better job in the shaping process, because the assumption is that you won't be there to kind of keep changing it as you go. You know, we we actually want to have more of a handoff uh, because that's the only way that whoever is in a shaping role is going to actually have time to think about what they want to do in the future. You know, a lot of teams actually struggle with this because you'll have somebody who's in a kind of product owner or, or product manager role, and they are supposed to be thinking about where the product goes. But then if they're so busy in there with the team on a day-to-day -day basis, they never have time to think, right? So then when it comes time to, to do the next thing, then, then you're, you're in this last minute thing of trying to scramble to figure out what to do. And then of course the work isn't going to be well-shaped. And then, of course, if it's not well-shaped, a lot of confusing things are going to come up in the middle of the cycle. You're going to be rushing and confused and incurring tech debt, and then, and then you spiral down into the situation that is you're sort of back to status quo then. You know? so, so that's very healthy to have that. Then at the same time, of course, you want the team to do well, and if there's some way that you can offer some extra support, then, then, then that's fantastic. Um, the question can arise of how do we actually judge progress from the outside? What does progress look like? And, and how does the team show that they're doing well? And we've got two different answers to that. The first is, is what we talked about previously, that the team is, is going to have something, some vertical slice 
that you can click on that does something you know, on a staging server by the end of week one or the very start of week two. So they're showing that, that, that they're working by, just by, by put, getting something integrated that actually does something. And, and that is just irrefutable progress. Like clearly something is going right if I can click on something I couldn't click on yesterday, right? And, and as, as, as you know, running code is the real truth, right? At the same time, we want to have some sort of a macro view of, of what are the problems that are getting solved and, and how much work is left and this kind of a thing. And when that happens, the, we don't want to look at the number of tasks or the percentage completed of tasks to judge progress. Because there's this funny thing with tasks, you know, in our naive idea, you, you, you create a bunch of tasks and then you do them. And in the course of doing them, the number of tasks goes down. But in reality, actually, the closer you get to finishing, often the more tasks you have. Because the first task is, you know, integrate the geocoder, you know, and then you figure out integrate the geocoder means like get the stupid library to do what I thought it was going to do, but it's not you know, and, and figure out this other thing that uh, turns out that this, this, uh, this other piece of it needs a column that we don't have that we thought that we had and, and so on. So there's a whole bunch of, of specific tasks you figure out you need to do in, in the pursuit of that first task. And then of course, there's all kinds of little things that come up. Oh, I, oh, I have to remember to also update this and tweak that. And the copy needs to change on this little part of the interface now that we have this feature. Oh, and what about that edge case, right? So you can actually be as you get more certain about what to do and more knowledgeable about what to do, you actually have what looks like more work um, in the system. So that's not the right measure of progress. The, the measure that we really use is what actually puts the project at risk. What's the thing that from a sort of outsider perspective, it should be scary. And that is if there's something about the work that's an unknown that is still unknown, too far into the cycle. If, if you get to that point where all the work that's left, it's like you're looking, you know, you're assembling some furniture and you look down at your hand and there's four screws there. And then you look <laughs> over across the room and there's four holes and four pieces of wood lying around. You, you, you know that there's some work to do and you might not quite know how they all piece together, but you're sure that it's gonna get done, right? But there's a, there's a very, very different part of the project earlier on where it's like, I don't even know I don't even exactly know how the existing system works. I'm not even quite sure. Is this going to turn into a chair? Is it going to fit in the sitting room or outside? You, you don't know a lot of details. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many open questions. And uh, even just think of it in terms of, um, uh, I, I use the example in the book of a dinner party. Before you, if you don't even know how many people are coming, or you, maybe you know how many people are coming, but you don't know how many are vegetarian, or you don't know about their allergies or something like that. You, it's very, very difficult to say how much time is it going to take me to cook and what ingredients do I need and so on. But once you get to the point of figuring out, okay, it's going to be vegetarian and we'll do like a curry kind of a thing and it's going to be, you know, cauliflower and this and that, and this is the recipe. Now you've got work to do, but all that work is, is very bounded. You know, I know which grocery store to go to. I know what's on my list. I know how much time I'm going to take to prep. So the, the phase of actually figuring out what is the recipe, what goes on the grocery list, you know, that sort of a thing. This is, um, we use the analogy of going uphill. When you're climbing uphill, you kind of don't quite know what, what the end, you can't see the top until you get there, you know? So you're solving problems, you're figuring out what the right approach is, you're looking at the existing code and you're trying things out and 
spiking and, and stubbing things. And then you reach a point where you're at the top of the hill and you look down and you can see everything. You're like, I know everything that's left. You know, you can see the whole way down. And then from there, it's a very different category of risk. So if, if for some reason, and I always like, we always play this test, you know, what if we had to stop tomorrow? If we had to sort of solve all the outstanding problems tomorrow, if, if it was all downhill work, then at worst, it would be a late night, you know, because you can see all these screws go in those holes. But if it's uphill work and there's actually a thing you haven't figured out how to do yet or what your approach is, you might have a Eureka in the shower tomorrow or it might turn out to be uh, an unsolvable design thing, you know, that takes eight weeks before you can come up with a solution. So we had some projects in the past where we got to the end of the project and we're like a week away and there's this one thing that's left, but that one thing was this design problem that everyone was going in circles about because we just couldn't come to a satisfactory solution. So that points actually to a hole in the shaping or, or, or something that we missed. And we're not gonna reinvest and say, let's put another two weeks in this thing if, if we keep circling around it and we don't actually see the solution. You know, So that's like being stuck uphill. If the team has any work that's in that uphill phase, that's where we're gonna be nervous. But if we get to the end, and we're running out of time, there's only a week left, and it seems like there's two weeks, work of, two weeks of work left to do, but it's all downhill work, and we say, no problem. Like, we'll give it that extra week because we're very confident. It's just a different probability distribution. It's a thin-tailed distribution. Like, we're very confident that we're gonna be close to what we think and finish this thing. So we actually use this device of the hill. We even have a tool in Basecamp called the hill chart that allows the team to plot a specific scope of work where in our terminology, scope is a vertical slice that's orthogonal to other vertical slices. So a certain chunk of front end and back end that you can carve off from the rest and, and then finish. And you finish that one thing and the sort of universe of open problems has gotten smaller, things that you need to think about. So we've got this, we were tracking scopes as to-do lists in Basecamp and then each to-do list corresponds to a dot on this hill. And the team can just drag these dots to show, I've just cracked this thing open and I've barely looked under the hood. I've started to figure out my approach, you know, a little bit up, up the left side of the hill. I, I think I have an approach that's viable, but I still have, let's say, an unknown about mobile or something like that, you know? And then you get to the top of the hill and it's like, I've got this thing solved. And we can actually see a handful of dots on the hill that are showing not only which problems are they tackling, which problems have they identified and have they solved them or not, but we can also see the second order, which is, are these dots moving? if I look at today versus yesterday, you know? And if you might see that there's a few pieces of work that move over the hill and there's no problem, but there's something that's been on the left side of the hill for the long time, then you can, you can, you can tap the team and say, hey, what's up with this thing that's stuck? And it's not, it's not like, give me a status report. It's not like, let's get into the weeds on everything that's going on. It's a really targeted question. Hey, what's this thing that seems to be stuck? And then you can have a pretty high level conversation about, you know, we're waiting on, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question about this API and actually this other team owns it, so we're waiting on that. Or actually a piece of that's finished and another piece is not finished. So let's actually factor that out into two separate scopes and plot them at different points on the hill. There's different types of troubleshooting you can do, but the fact that that thing isn't moving is kind of a proxy for a raised hand saying, we need some attention over here. I, I really liked this uh, uh, metaphor of, of going uphill because it's very visceral. And I like the fact that you are getting this qualitative feedback. 
uh, yes. really about how the team themselves perceive the scope. Yes. Well, one thing I push my clients off on all the time is you got to give a narrative. You can't just say we've done seven story points. You have to say, well, the, the thing that we were trying to accomplish with that was this. Here's what we ran into. Here's the difficulty. The Hill does a nice job, much better than like the number seven of telling you, well, actually we're here and we don't know how much there is, but we're close to the top. And we're asking the team to report on a thing that they actually know. Hmm. A lot of this stuff about story points and so on, you're asking someone to, 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 to use a ruler where they don't even really know what, 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 what the ruler is, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's this, it's hard to even say what you're measuring. So, so if we, if we ask a more honest question, which is, Hey, for this piece of work, have you, have you actually spiked it or stood anything up? Like, have you validated that it's the right approach yet? Okay. No. All right. This is still pretty far down uphill. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it's something you can actually answer, you know, and, and I think anybody who has a bit of experience with it will tell you that it, it maps to something in their stomach that they didn't have language for before. You know, you know that feeling of like, I still not sure yeah. about this one versus yeah, I'm at the top of the hill. I can see it all. It's going to be fine. Yeah. There's a danger there that worries me. I'm wondering if you run into this danger, maybe with newer folks um, who, who need those experienced people around them, you, you can think you're on the top of the hill. You can think, yeah, I really have it all set but you don't know that you should be thinking about the mobile usage, use case, or you don't know that um, the last time we did this, um, it took down the database um, you, you, because the load was so high. Pearson with more experience might know that. And there are even cases in some of my clients where um, we're, we're really cutting edge startups and, and actually nobody's ever done it before. So they don't know what's going to come in and hit them. And they might perfectly rationally correctly tell you the feeling in my gut is we're on the downhill. I know all the pieces. I know what's going to happen. And then they discover, oops, um, just right at the end. Does that happen to you? Is that something that's, that's, um, uh, you've experienced before? Yes, yes. And that is a feature, not a bug. Because mm. then the hill becomes the mirror that allows them to do the alignment between reality and their guts. Mm. So but doesn't it, that, that alignment come too late? So if it, it comes in, in week, week six and we're just about to be done and we're like, oh, man, actually, if we ship this, we're, we're going to take down all of base camp. It, 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 it'll, the load will be so high that we, we can't run. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, I, I'm not sure if in practice there's, there's, there's things that actually take down the app, you know, in the course of most normal feature development. So yep. I'm not sure about that case, but we've definitely had cases where someone was newer and, and there's something that they missed or something that they didn't question enough. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're further, you're further in the cycle and then something blows up and, 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 but the thing is that that's a learning experience and that's, that's a cost of inexperience mm -hmm. and inexperience is, is a really good thing, has a lot of upside in the sense that um, you have a lot of opportunity to train the person in, in, in your way of working. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for creating cultural fit uh, when you hire someone who's more junior. And then there's cost to that, which is that occasionally something's going to blow up. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And you have a lot of tactics to deal with that. So for example, if someone is more junior, then it's more likely that someone senior is going to be paying a little bit more attention to the pull request than they would otherwise, right? Or, or someone uh, might be looking in on the hill chart and saying, hmm, what, what, what exactly do you think is in that scope? Yeah. You know, have you and, really finished that one? You, you're saying it's almost done. It took me six weeks the last time I did it and you're done. Yeah. So, so there mean? can be an element of that, but I, I think it's healthy that there is that, that, that the possibility of, of running into trouble because that's mm -hmm. otherwise you can't learn. You can't learn without stressors. 
you know? you're making a prediction and, and, and you're making a falsifiable prediction and when it gets falsified that's how you train your intuition mm-hmm. that's a very that's a very articulate way to say it yeah that's 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 good because it the fact that it's false the hill gives you the falsification because and, and otherwise costs- you don't have a means to to say where's the record of i thought that this was solved like where does that you know that that conversation doesn't even happen without it you know and here you actually have a snapshot of three days ago the state of the hill reflecting what you thought was solved and what wasn't. One other thing that I do want to mention is that there is a common pitfall when people first start with this, which is that they can mistake headwork for for handwork. If you think something through in your head, that doesn't get you over the hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking something through in your head gets you maybe an eighth of the way up the left side of the hill, because you went from I have no idea how I'm going to do this to like I think I have it. I think I have a hypothetical approach. Right. The, the old and, statement was bubbles don't crash, which we'd say about architecture architects who would, uh, you know, scribble a bunch of things on the whiteboard and say, we're done. Oh, we just have to code it. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so you do, you, you, you have to do some, you have to do some work to validate that your approach is working. And then you reach a point through the actual handwork of a little bit of plugging this into that. And is that, is that API where I think it is? And, and is that model what I remember? Oh, no, it's not. It's totally tied. It's totally coupled <laughs> to this other thing. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's through that work. So if, if you, if you sort of insist on a proof of work for moving uphill, then, then you avoid a lot of that, um, that, uh, jumping that can happen in the beginning. Earlier, you talked about a, a demo after a week of something people could click around on. If you say like, look, if I, if I haven't clicked, if no one's clicked on it, then you're not at the top of the hill. For us, it's just an informal process of sort of coaching and 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 working together and learning where these things are. You know, uh, we it gets internalized pretty quickly. It sounds it like. gets internalized, and uh, because it's very expensive to formalize these things, because now instead of doing work, you're you're perform you're following procedure, and and a lot of these things when we create formal processes and procedures, they tend to to to, to take on the character of like a periodic crystal you know like everything happens at a certain pace or something and work is not a periodic crystal it's 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 a um it's more like a like a like a like the anatomy of an animal Mm. you know it's very irregular with with a few key joints and a few main interdependencies and it's all about and and it's unique to each animal what that structure is the skeleton you got to get the walking skeleton skeleton there exactly exactly so we, we always what we're doing with all this stuff about scoping and um, and breaking the work into these different slices, all of this is about um, trying to represent the actual anatomy of the skeleton, and then building off all of our, um, the way that we work kind of around the anatomy of the work. Got it. Can, can I ask another question about scoping and, and, and hill design? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is about cases where you have externally fixed scope. So for example, over here where we live, Jeffrey and I, we have this wonderful thing called GDPR, where you, you have to do certain things and be able to conform to certain requirements the government laid down. And it sounds like a lot of what you're describing, especially for um, the, the six-week um, uh, cycle is you want people to be able to cut and say, no, we're, we're, we're going to stop here. We got this far. This part didn't get over the hill. We're just going to cut it and, and leave it either for next time or we won't do it. What about cases, and maybe you don't have these in Basecamp, I don't know, but um, did, did you encounter cases where there's, there's something where the scope is fixed? You, you don't get a choice about it because it's been imposed on you. Yeah, that's a great question. Every project has essential scope where if you don't do those things, the project doesn't do what, what you're intended it to do and it, it doesn't make progress for the, for the product or the company. 
Sure, but so, I, I mean something where it's been imposed on the outside, where it's a yeah, regulation or it's I don't, a... I don't think it matters where it comes from. Mm. I think that the higher order bit here is, is, is the scope essential or not? And what, what the reason why it happens to be essential, it might be there's, we, we have some internal system that we can't change because it's too big of a, a ball of yarn and just don't touch that and, and tr take it as a constraint. Mm -hmm. and, and some regulation is no different than that. Take it as a constraint. This, this has to be. And the thing is that um, there's so much discovered work that pops up unexpectedly around things that seem easy. That's where most of the trouble is actually. So if, if the team, if the team is, is making cuts and trade-offs around how deep to go and what work to sequence in what order, you know, you start, you start on the email template and you could spend so much time improving the way that the code around email delivery works, but maybe there were no real unknowns there and no major gains from making those improvements. Meanwhile, there's some other thing that uses some geocoder that you've never used before. And there's a whole bunch of unknowns and a whole bunch of things that you could polish. Or the designer gives you a design that uses a certain component and you're like, man, that's, that component is gonna take me a lot of time to wire up. And then the designer says, if you don't push back, you end up spending a lot of time on that. But if you do mm -hmm. push back, the designer says, oh, you know what? That's the one thing in this whole screen that I just arbitrarily chose. Mm. Actually, we'd be fine with, with, a, with a 10X simpler thing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because the designers don't always know the costs of the things that they put into the design, right? Sure, which is why so, it's helpful to have them in the team working alongside the team. Exactly. Sure, to, so, so but I, I, so I be think there for that discussion. The main point here is that we undervalue how gnarly the trivial work is. Mm. That if we, if we use our, our scope hammer or our, our scope machete, you know, whatever, uh, to, to constantly cut down and hammer in all that extra unnecessary stuff that is constantly appearing in front of our noses day after day in the course of normal work, that's actually what allows us to make sure the GDPR gets satisfied. Okay. Jeffrey, do you have uh, any further questions for Ryan? I think I'm, I might be uh, completely uh, full up in my brain. <laughs> so many exciting ideas. Uh, I, I have no doubt uh, we could come up with a lot more. I, I, I think I want to just maybe give this to Ryan and say, you know, is there some essential uh, element of the spirit of Shape Up that you think we've missed and that, we, we, that uh, you'd want to make sure that uh, our listeners uh, hear uh, that we, we haven't yet covered uh, adequately? The only thing I might mention just to close is because um, you, you've been so thorough in your questions. And, and one thing we haven't touched is that um, the whole notion of shaping and, 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 and pitching and betting and building is based on the idea that you have some kind of a stable architecture that you're working within. If you're doing a completely new product and you have nothing at all yet, and you don't even have any clue what the, what the basic architecture should be, you're not ready to get into this cadence of shaping and building and, and so on, because you can't have that confidence that at the end of six weeks, we know that we're going to be high-fiving each other because we're glad of mm. the outcome. Yep. You know what I mean? When you're doing You haven't early got the work, skeleton yet to build off of. You yeah, haven't got the skeleton there. yet, right. Yep. So, there, so in a completely new product, there's a phase uh, that's much more R&D um, where you're, you're firing the tracer bullets and you're figuring out kind of what is actually a stable architecture to build everything on top of. Mm -hmm. And then you reach a point where you're no longer throwing away everything that you did every, every couple of weeks, you know, and, and you're like, okay, this is actually stable. And I can start to see 
kind of where all the other features are going to how they how they're going to build on top of this thing. Like you can see the sort of through lines, and that's where we will make the shift from the research mode to production mode. And then when we're kind of in the production mode, now we can make we can make bets that we actually believe in. You know, so I just want to point that out that it's not that um, you you don't want to be making bets where the odds are so low because you're fully out there in research land. You yeah. know, there is a there is a context there. And, and or, or rather, you do want to make bets, but you may not have a skeleton to build off of. You may not know very much. You might not have very much confidence in your bets. Yes. So be more flexible. Six exactly. weeks might be too long. You might need not, not to worry about the skeleton or the hill. Um, just get out there, build it, get the experiment done and, and exactly. move on. So then you just carve out a period of time where you don't have any expectations at all about what comes out of it. And it's like, look, we don't even know what to bet on, but we know that we have to get in here and start kind of hacking some stuff together to learn what the right approach is, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that's a case where you're covering a lot of surface area with a lot of sort of half barely working stuff, just tracer bullets, you know? And then, and then that shift happens later. Got it. Well, tracer bullets and hills and skeletons, we've, we've covered uh, every <laughs> metaphor we can think of. Uh, Ryan Singer, thank you very much for joining us uh, from Basecamp. Uh, Ryan's book is Shape Up, and uh, you'll find it in the, uh, in the show notes. And Ryan, what's the, the URL again for people who are driving or, or someplace, something else? That yeah, they you, can't can get read the show notes? you can read it online at basecamp.com slash shape up, and you can also download it as a PDF there. And we don't even ask for your email address. We're just happy that people are interested and checking it out and, and working in a better way. Fantastic. All right. Well, um, uh, we'd encourage our, our listeners to uh, have a read, um, to make comments and, and suggestions to Ryan. I'm sure there's a way that uh, that you can do that. Um, and of course, yeah, actually, also, yeah, go ahead. They can, yeah. they can write, uh, they can write shape up at basecamp.com. There we go. Great. So uh, make comments and suggestions to Ryan. We'd also like to hear from you because uh, we, we like answering listener questions and telling listener stories. So please do get in touch with us as well at troubleshootingagile.com. And of course, we like it when folks who listen to us uh, come back again next week. Don't know what we'll be talking about. Maybe we'll have uh, another interesting guest or uh, be talking about some of the fallout and the, the nifty ideas that Ryan brought to us. So uh, click the subscribe button, come back next Wednesday, and uh, we'll be talking about troubleshooting Agile again. Thanks, Jeffrey and Ryan. Thanks, Thanks so much. much.